Bandiera Rossa! Bandiera Rossa! And welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is Italian for red flag, red flag. Something mm. the Italian countryside has heard a lot recently. I am Drew Scanlon. Joining me, we have Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? I'm doing good. You really wrapped your glottis around that one. Appreciate the uh, the work there, Drew. Uh, red flag also could have been used if we were talking about uh, uh, bullfighting, but we're not. But just so you know, if you're ever talking about bullfighting with an Italian person, uh, just uh, re-listen to the first five seconds of this podcast. <laughs> That's right. Just play it for them and then they'll understand. Uh, yeah. If you are uh, new to this podcast, welcome. If you are new to Formula One itself, we recommend listening to our preseason primer episode. Uh, which assumes no prior F1 knowledge and explains how the sport works and who everybody is. Uh, this year's primer is episode 96, if you'd like to go back and listen to that. Uh, also, the show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shift F1, uh, where every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons, covering racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, primers for other racing series, and a lot of weird things. So if you want to get access to that and support the show at the same time, uh, head over to patreon.com slash shift F1 or click the link in the show notes. Rob Zachney is on assignment this week. Um, he is. But, uh, we miss him dearly. We do. And once he is back, we will uh, um, get together and uh, talk about what our next Patreon exclusive episode uh, will be. We've got some fun ideas. Um, today, however, we will be discussing the Tuscan Grand Prix. The which Tuscan happened, Destruction uh, Derby. <laughs> that, yes. Um, which happened this past weekend. The first ever Formula One race at Mugello. Yes, Danny. it was. Uh, a circuit that a couple of the drivers were familiar with. And Nicholas Latifi had spun around there a few times. If you're in a Ferrari livery, there's a decent chance you've been out on it because they own the circuit. Um but uh, that's pretty much it. Like, most of the drivers didn't really know much about it. And also, we were, uh, were sort of contemplating that there's going to be quite a lot of tire wear there just because of the lack of racing and the lack of, you know, whenever that surface was done last. And also the heat. Um, there was a lot of things conspiring to make the tires stretch themselves a bit this weekend. Yeah, it's so fun going to a new track because you know that teams don't have data here. So they're all yeah. flying by the seats of their pants. Uh, I think Hamilton totally. was and especially, saying, yeah, uh, especially like a classic one too, where it's like it's not it's not one of these Tilkadromes which are made with these specific cars in mind. It's it's kind of a a bit of a round peg in a square hole kind of situation. Yeah, uh, Lando Norris actually had a crash in free practice too, uh, and said afterwards, like, yeah, you know, it's bummer I crashed, but like this is how it should be. I dipped a, t- a tire into the gravel and spun off. You know, like that that's I like it this way yeah um so it is it's a it's an old school track but um yeah uh i think lewis hamilton said before he got in the simulator to like figure out Mugello because he hadn't really driven a lot there either uh, i imagine a lot of these guys were in the simulator uh or in like you know project cars or something i racing i don't know if Mugello is in i racing but um yeah anything to to help it was interesting watching um george russell did a video for the f1 youtube channel where he did like the circuit guide but did it in the car like recorded over radio and it was really cool and one of the um absolutely awesome things i noticed was that he was using the ferrari flag that was flying sort of around the around maybe turn eight or nine uh, that you can see twice on your loop around um, to judge the wind direction for when he was entering oh, a wow. certain corner, which is crazy, and that's the type of thing that, like, clearly simulators, you're not you're not getting that, right? Um, 
Well, yeah, let's uh, let's see how the very first grid at Mugello shook out, mm. shall we? What do you know? Lewis Hamilton, uh, even though he didn't apparently get a lot of simulator time, uh, no problem. He's on pole. Uh, Valtteri yeah. Bottas right behind him, followed by Max Verstappen, Alex Albon, uh, pulling together a uh, top four qualifying. And then, what do you know? Charles Leclerc in fifth place, nine places ahead of his teammate at uh, Ferrari's home track. He, thankfully for him, managed to escape a yellow flag at the end of Q3 uh, after a spin from Esteban Ocon that prevented a lot of other cars from improving their yeah. laps. Um, it basically notably, ruined it for anyone who hadn't been yeah, passed at that stage. Like Botas. I think Hamilton did yeah. not improve on his final run, and Botas no. may have, so... Yeah, Botas uh, was faster all, all week. Like his uh, his practice runs, he was he was pipping Hamilton uh, pretty readily. He was holding the, of course, the the new fastest laps, which records for Mugello, which were going, you know, or Mugello, sorry, which were increasing day by day by day. So it's it sucks for a man, even on a weekend where he's so dominant. All that has to happen is Hamilton just he <laughs> does that hammer time lap, and it's just like you can't you can't stop it. Yeah, uh, Lance Stroll will start sixth, uh, Sergio Perez in seventh. Perez actually penalized one place for causing a mm. collision with Raikkonen during free practice two uh, and had a close call with Grosjean in free he practice did. one in the same place. Yeah, I think. same corner. Yeah, turn one. He just he was always seemed to be in the way. The Kimi one was bad, though, because he was exiting the pits. He really should have known better there. Although Kimi should have known better where <laughs> the pits during the race. So a lot of uh, um, established veteran drivers making silly mistakes uh, this weekend. A one-place penalty. Don't see a lot of those. Uh, no. Typically, they've been three places. Um, but, uh, yeah, he'll start seventh. Daniel Ricciardo in eighth. Carlos Sainz in ninth. McLaren said this weekend that their car had been particularly sensitive to wind. Um, but, you know, that's what I say when, uh, you know, uh, I play golf. <laughs> Um, it's, it's always windy when I play golf. Yeah, it's always uh, really es- windy. Esteban Ocon in tenth, Lando Norris in eleventh. Um, that crash in free practice two didn't help. Uh, Daniel Kvyat in twelfth, Kimi Raikkonen in thirteenth, ahead of Sebastian mm. Vettel in fourteenth, Roman Grosjean fifteenth, Pierre Gasly in sixteenth. An unfortunate turnaround from last week. Apparently, he had a problem with his battery uh, during qualifying. Right. Uh, Antonio Giovinazzi in seventeenth, followed by George Russell and Nicholas Latifi in their first race without the Williams family at the track. Um, yeah. And then Kevin Magnussen bringing up the rear in 20th place. Danny, do you want to take us through the start? Me <laughs> One oh my. of many. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Strap in, folks. That is uh, working overtime this weekend. Uh, yeah. Uh, Hamilton had a good start. Botas actually looked like he had a terrible start. Didn't get off the line very well. Um, immediately jumped over to behind Hamilton to get into a slipstream because um, the early indications from the Formula 2 and Formula 3 races was that the DRS was actually fairly strong and perhaps at higher speeds it would be even stronger making overtaking before the apex of Turn 1 easy, um, which would also indicate that the slipstream might also be very good. But it's a funny it's a funny old grid here. We'll get to it later. It's an incredibly long grid. It's uh, usually when the F3 cars line up because there's so many of them, right? You talk, what is it, like 30 cars or something drive, driving those races? Because there's so many of them, oftentimes at the start, you'll see cars, uh, the last two or three cars will be actually on the turn, for the, for the final turn onto the straight. On this one, they probably had double the amount of grid. So it's a, the grid is really high up, um, 
uh, and also it's incredibly long. So even when the the F3 cars were out, it looked like it was half full. It was it was quite strange. So the result of this comes up later, obviously, in, in one of the restarts. But for this situation, Votas essentially jumps in behind Hamilton, gets a great toe off him almost immediately. And what looked like a terrible start for him actually wasn't that bad. What was bad was that Max Verstappen, who had gotten the jump on him, suddenly had no power and was just getting gobbled up. By the time that we got to that um, first turn, which I talked about last week, was probably one of the places where you're going to see a lot of overtaking because it's so wide the whole way around it. And we'd seen cars two, three abreast um, overtaking around it in, in some of the feeder, uh, the junior divisions. Um by the time we got into that, Verstappen was just finding himself stuck in a bunch of cars that he didn't necessarily want to be in. Um, the other person who did on the exit of that first turn was the race winner from last week, Pierre Gasly, who was kind of stuck in no man's land between, I guess it was Verstappen, Kimi to his left as well, and then I think it might have been Grosjean to his right. And he kind of just misplaced himself. He he effectively drove up onto the back wheel of Kimi Raikkonen, who then lost control and went into the back of Vettel, who was in front of them. Or sorry, Verstappen, uh, uh, Verstappen who was in front of them. And then Grosjean, who was on the outside, and a crash is happening, and we're coming up to a left-hander, is basically just going to get gobbled up. And all three of them got sort of spun or uh, knock, knocked around into it. Grosjean managed to get the car going again and get out of the dirt. Um while that was happening, another incident just after that turn um, saw Carlos Sainz getting spun around. He got a little bit of a tap from, um, I believe it was Lando Norris. Um, him and Perez were, were right beside each other. Perez managed to avoid it. And then Sebastian Vettel stuck in one of those moments where you're walking down the street and you're, you see someone and you both go left and you both go right and you, <laughs> you kind of keep getting in each other's way. Vettel tries to deke left or right. Uh, of signs can't really do it while he's slowing down and manages to um, make some contact damaging his front wing uh, so by this stage we have Carlos signs with big damage Verstappen is out of the race he's beached Pierre Gasly's out of the race he's in the wall um, Verstappen kicks up a bunch of pebbles into his face trying to get the car out of the out of the kitty litter but uh, to no to no luck and yeah we uh was that immediately a safety car? Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, I know, <laughs> I know, Danny, uh, you don't have your notes for this one, so uh, I can, I can yeah, take I took one of these copious notes, and, <laughs> and I can't find them. It's so annoying to do all that work, and I don't know where the hell I put them. Uh, well, I can take one of these restarts off your hands um, because uh, we know there are more. But yeah, we had a safety car. Um, and uh went around Rolling for stars. like six laps i think restarted on lap seven um and botas who was in the front then uh was controlling the grid after the safety car went off uh he gets to choose as the leader uh when to gun it um, until he passes the star finish line at which right. point he has to go or anyone can go right so uh he saves it until the last moment and people speed up at the green flag, even though Botas hadn't yet gone. Um, Latifi in the back, let's see, he was starting thir- restarting 13th here, dives to the left to avoid Magnussen. But Giovinazzi, who's right behind Latifi, doesn't have enough time to react and just plows into the back of Magnussen. Yeah. Signs then hits Gr- uh, Giovinazzi from the rear. Giovinazzi rolls to the left into Latifi. 
Uh, and then Grosjean is behind Signs and somehow manages to uh, avoid hitting anyone, saying over the radio, this is the worst <laughs> thing I've seen ever, which from Roman <laughs> Grosjean, Grosjean. <laughs> you know that it must be bad. Uh, so this was really chaotic. Uh, they reviewed it a bunch of times because uh, this is an instant in safety car into red flag situation because there's no way uh, they can uh, <laughs> clear all this. Yeah, the star finish right is just littered with debris of cars. Yeah, and carbon fiber yeah. everywhere. Um, go. And there's there's a, a a video on F1's YouTube channel um, uh, sort of analyzing this where uh, Will Buxton and Sam Collins seem to blame Russell for this because... I, I'm not sure if they blame... Blame seems strong, but I, yeah, I think... They say they're... that he, he caused it. Uh Hamilton thinks it was a result of the safety car lights going off too late, but I actually happen to agree with what uh, Pietro Fittipaldi said uh, in that video. Um, so to explain here, the yellow lights on top of the safety car turn off to indicate that the safety car is leaving the track and that the race will resume at the start of the next lap. Uh, and this is usually when you see the lead car start to slow down and back up the field. It's, like you said, Danny, illegal to overtake before the start-finish line. So the drivers do this to give themselves enough room at the front to then gun it and hit top speed right at that line while everyone else is still accelerating. Weaving also allows you um, and the cars behind you to be slow but still keep your RPMs up. Mm. Uh, Race director Michael Massey disputes that the safety car lights went out early, saying, quote, they can criticize all they want. Uh, if we have a look at a distance perspective from where the lights were extinguished to the control line, it's probably not dissimilar, if not longer, than at a number of other venues. At the end of the day, the safety car lights go out when they do. The safety car is in the pit lane. We have 20 of the best drivers in the world. And as we saw, I love this, as we saw earlier today in the Formula 3 race, those drivers in the junior category had a very, very similar restart to what was occurring in the F1 race and navigated it quite well without incident. Uh, I think the F2 drivers are way more used to that type. Like, th there's way more cars. They're on top of each other a lot more because of the pace. Like, if you watch the starts of those races, like, also the cars aren't as wide, maybe. But, like, you know, he's, he's not wrong. It's I all midfield. Are, yeah, which is why, you know, it's, yeah, exactly. It's all, it's a, there's a big chunky of midfield. Yeah, so to, to go into a little bit, because I had a lot of people tweeting about, um, especially when Martin Bundle mentioned the, concertina effect which i guess we haven't yeah, well, talked about recently yeah let me sorry Go yeah ahead. let me just finish off the, uh, the the sequence of events here um botas was backing up the field basically until he was right at the line which is way later than everyone was expecting which and again is totally later as well because the start finish line for this race is way more further ahead on a start line than most tracks are right and, it, and like we said it's totally within his right to do this and it makes sense because that long straight like hamilton uh botas doesn't want hamilton to get a toe right like he like he did at the beginning of the race exactly so um, let's use it all so all that the other drivers uh um could see uh like guys in the back like 13th 14th where latifi and giovanazzi and stuff were they couldn't see botas but the, all they could see were the green flags flashing right uh and you know the cars right in front of them accelerating Russell left some gap between himself and the cars ahead um, and also tried to time it just right. Again, trying to be as fast as possible without overtaking anyone before the start finish line. But he was too early and eventually had to, uh, you know, put on his brakes, but didn't hit anybody. Magnuson, who was behind Russell, also had enough uh, room to slow down. The cars behind him, however, thought that the race was on 
and weren't prepared to stop. So I think it's technically Latifi that should have left more room between himself uh, and Magnuson. Um, but, and maybe you're about to get into this, Danny, there is some language in the rules, uh, however, that would maybe point the finger at more than just Latifi. Yeah, it, I think it's hard. This seems to me like a consequence of like a lot of different factors um, that there maybe needs to be like maybe if there was a couple of more races here, people would know the specific characteristics of this track that would lead this to happen. That being the toe on the way into the first turn and the position of the the, the line where he would have to start accelerating. Um, I think now drivers would know that this would happen here uh, because it's kind of difficult to blame some of these cars in the back because this is normal for all of these cars to try and create some sort of gap between them and the car in front so that when the car goes and usually where when Botas would go is pretty obvious like for for Spa they always kind of go before the last turn right they'll go into the chicane so they have a decent amount of battery going out into the star finish straight. Like we kind of know where those spots are and there's a bit of deviation on it. But generally it's like within a certain like two or three second period, right? So Russell's creating that gap so he can go. The minute he sees the car in front of him going, he wants to go. Or if he creates that gap, it gives him a buffer to maybe go a little bit earlier than them and get faster so that once they're gone, you're basically, it's a, it's a, it's a drag race effectively. It's a drag race, but it's a rolling drag race. And... What happened was, was that they all, everyone was expecting everyone to go. Everyone was waiting, like, why haven't we gone yet? Why haven't we gone yet? Why haven't we gone yet? And creating that gap and and those seconds that they want to go were getting, you know, uh, sort of shorter and shorter. So what Russell did, if you look at Russell's onboard, it's not that bad what he did. He he didn't do anything dangerous. He effectively, effectively made a gap, accelerated up to speed a bit to fill that gap. And then when he saw the cars ahead actually weren't going, he slowed down relatively safely. He, spun, he went a bit to the right just to make sure it happened. The problem with the concertina effect uh, comes in here, right? Is if that happens with three cars at the back of the grid, that's totally fine. Nothing's ever going to happen. Concertina effect will continue to ripple throughout the pack until there's no more cars left. And what this what this term is for people who don't know, it's not a racing term. It's something that just is used by engineers in the world of automobiles and traffic and stuff like that. Most of the um, you know gridlock that happens on uh, motorways oftentimes is caused by this. If somebody cuts somebody off on a lane, then that person has to brake late. Then the person behind them breaks slightly later later later, and then suddenly if you go half a mile down the road, everyone's slowed down. So if ever in one of those traffic jams where everyone slows down for seemingly no reason and then you know we all start going again that's what the concertina effect is we see it all the time in in uh, f1 races where people break and then there's a you know a knock-on effect essentially it, concertina. Is a, it is a britishism the concertina we call it an accordion effect an accordion yeah exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's a, yeah it's called that because it's an accordion which is a box which is you know all those rivets are the same space apart from each other but they can be stretched and pushed together as well right like they're 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 fixed in position relative to each other but they can be squeezed closer and further apart um uh, at will so the issue is that what, what russell did his heap went and it broke slightly faster and then the car behind him had slightly less uh, reaction time or time to react and because of the speeds that these cars are going at then the next person it's like almost logarithmic right the next person has even less the next person even less and then suddenly like the only people who were able to react were people like grosjean who saw crashes happening in front of them before they were worried about braking. And then it was like, oh, Jesus, of course, I have to slow down and everyone else behind them 
is fine and slows down. So I think the way to solve this is is kind of has been has happened. People know what to expect from Mugello in the same way at Spa they don't tend to hold up the pack until after the final chicane because everyone knows where they go. I mean, you know? We used to have a, a dedicated safety car line instead of using the start finish line. So we could just have like instead of the start finish line is the line that you can't overtake at. You would have a uh, earlier in the circuit. Have, has that line. changed? Yeah, not that's just a where fairly this... recent change. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So perhaps it's that. Maybe in that case, that that's why they were going earlier down into those straights. Like if they started at the start of this straight, there's a fairly good chance that Botas was going to get mugged because of the power of the toe here. So you yeah. can see why he did it. But but, like, but it is uh, just kind of like it's hard to blame anyone for it. It's it's just it you know. It's hard to blame Botas because he did nothing wrong by the letter of the law. But also, you could see the crash happening before it happened. I was watching going like, oh, this is going to really... He's going really late. Like, what's happening? What's going to happen to the folks at the back? Are they going to get... Like, they're get, I can see them getting bunched. And then crash, 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 crash. It was so bad. I'm so glad that no one got injured. I, Sainz was holding his hand. It looks like the halo actually stopped him getting a pretty sizable piece of carbon fiber into his cockpit. Yeah, uh, and sure enough, uh, the stewards didn't really issue a uh, you know a one one person is at fault kind of penalty. They right. issued twelve formal warnings, which are a new thing this year, um, because of uh, Article thirty nine point one three of the sporting regulations, which states. In order to avoid the likelihood of accidents before the safety car returns to the pits, from the point at which the lights on the car are turned out, drivers must proceed at a pace which involves no erratic acceleration or braking Mm. near any other maneuver which is likely to endanger other drivers or impede the restart. So they can kind of cite that and say, I mean, that's like, it's vague. Like, what's erratic, right? Um, So you you could kind of point to this sort of movement and say, uh, you know, you you broke the rules, but again, yeah. we they were issued formal warnings, which are is not a point on your license or anything. To the following: Magnussen, Giovinazzi, Latifi, Signs, Kvyat, Albon, Stroll, Ricardo, Perez, Norris, uh, Ocon, and Russell. God, that shows um, you how far up the grid that people were going. Like, yeah, basically, that, it was the first three and the last three that were not issued penalties. That's incredible. Wow. Uh, and they say, um, the stewards conclude that the root cause of this incident was the inconsistent application of throttle and brake from the final corner along the pit straight by the above drivers. We also mm. note that some drivers might have avoided being involved in the incident if they had not followed directly behind the car in front. By doing so, they effectively blocked off all visibility of what was happening immediately in front of the preceding car. A warning has imposed, as it is the view of the stewards, that no one driver was wholly or predominantly to blame. Right. But uh, as you said, red flag. Uh, Signs, Giovinazzi. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Signs, Giovinazzi, Latifi, and Magnuson are all out because of the crash. Ocon actually withdraws uh, under the red flag because of overheating brakes. So now just yeah. 13 remain for the restart on lap nine. Uh, do you, can you take this one, Danny? Yeah, sure. Uh, they're starting, and Hamilton's uh, brakes are just smoking. They're just yeah. they're 420 blazing up there, <laughs> popping ohms. It's uh, it's like, turn out these lights, man. I need to get some air through these bad boys. Um, 
But he had a good start. He uh, Botas was ahead of him, right? So uh, he he got ahead of Botas um, uh, getting into the the second turn, uh, and yeah, it's it's an incredibly um, small grid of cars. Is the thing that was so strange. It's almost half the amount of cars we're used to seeing. It's not quite a you know that U.S. Grand Prix. But um, yeah, they all got through cleanly. Perhaps after, you know, what had happened prior, nobody really wanted to. Um, and also, there's just a lot more space with fewer cars. So uh, by the end of the lap, the Mercedes are pretty much away with it. But you've got Leclerc in third, and the um, two racing points behind them. Uh, and then I believe it's Ricardo, and then it's Albon. Is that right? I think you're right because Albon did not have a great start. He restarted in fourth, and then dropped yeah. to seventh. Um, and spend yeah, most of the next rest of the race basically trying to fix that problem. Yeah. Uh, Ricardo, though, looking racy, he got by Perez on lap 15 for fifth place. Um, Leclerc holds on in third for a while, but's kind of backing up the pack behind him. And sure enough, Stroll gets by him on lap 18 for third place. Uh, and at the same time, like you mentioned, Albon gets by Perez for sixth. So he's climbing back up the field. Leclerc, though, continues to fall prey to the cars behind, losing fourth to Ricardo on lap 19. Uh, Perez also not looking too hot. He loses sixth to Norris on lap 28. Yeah, it's wild. Those, those Force Indias, just racing points, just going in opposite directions, you know? Do you think we'll still be calling them Force India when they're Aston Martin next year? I know, right? Gosh. It's, Hopefully it's it'll a- be a different color. Maybe that'll help. And what's the Renault name again? I, I, Alpine. Alpine. Everyone was saying Alpine, not Alpine. Yeah, so it's, I guess yeah, it's spelled it Alpine, Alpine, but you know French. Big fan um, of Peen. Let's get it in there. Like the hammers. What's that? Like a like a ball peen hammer. Sure. Ball pen. <laughs> yep. Let's keep Some going. Association with Drew and Danny. Podcast. Uh, <laughs> lap twenty six. Ricardo running in fourth behind Stroll goes for the undercut and gets it. Uh, assuming third place when Stroll comes out of the pits on lap 30. Mm. Uh, and speaking of tire strategy, Albon has chosen to go long on the soft tires that he put on during the red flag. And with everyone pitting in front of him, I think makes it as high as second on track. Uh, but he eventually comes in for mediums on lap 32. And then somewhat hilariously, Botas, uh, you know, running in second, asks for tires opposite to Hamilton. Yeah, you know, to try to just I gotta I gotta switch it up somehow. Um, totally, he's just yeah he's yeah he lost. I think I think the frustration of having that lead again and then losing it again and just knowing that Mercedes tend to always put them on that same strategy. They're very good at sort of Alan prosting their ways to one two finishes, like having their heads on their shoulders and not having their drivers race. But yeah, well, first he wanted the undercut, right? And then I guess his tires. Or he wanted to stay out and let Hamilton go, but then Botas's tires were the ones that were more messed up. There was a couple of radio messages about the curbs as well. They were asking Hamilton to stay off the curbs, and right. he was Which like, one? "Hey man, all of them." Hold on, he was like, "The curbs are faster," and he was like, "Don't worry, like Botas has been told as well." Um, so yeah, it was it was funny. He basically just wanted a split strategy to try because at that stage as well, like they know they're not under threat from anyone behind them, so why not? Yeah. Uh, but Mercedes calls in Botas first, puts him on hard tires. Then Hamilton comes in for hard tires. Yeah. So, <laughs> Stick me on the same Valtteri. ones as Valtteri. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, then on lap 43, a big cloud of dust clears to reveal the mangled racing point 
of Lance Stroll, who was racing in fourth. What'd you make of this accident? Yeah, they he they asked him almost immediately, like, what happened? They were they sort of um came over the radio because it was it 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 was such a fast crash. It was really quite scary. The the shot of him uh sort of exiting uh, the frame is it the Arab Arabalata Arabalata I think we're calling it or something. Yeah, there's there's a there's a twin set of turns there, and it was uh, uh, sorry, apologies to all of our um, Mugello fans, MotoGP fans. I'm butchering this one, but it was the second one of those. It's a fairly high speed corner, and even all that kitty litter couldn't stop him from ramming into the the tire wall with, with a lot of ferocity. Um, he came over the radio, strolled it, and said that he thought that. He had gotten a puncture. Is that what that sort of felt like? He didn't know, but that sort of felt like. Um, and there was some, you know, his car, his tires were mangled. He did retain all four of them. The tethers stuck this time, but uh, something yeah, it was definitely a scary happened. One. He, it yeah, wasn't like, just like like watching it back. He doesn't it. just lose it. it you can actually no. hear something happen, like a. Uh, yeah, and, and if you want to see the difference between like what it looks like when you have a f- like a failure like that, or what it's like losing the car, do a play by play of, or do a side by side of this and the uh, crash that Leclerc had on uh, the penultimate, the final turn on uh, at the um, uh, the parabolic in Monza, right? Like you see what it's like when somebody loses the car and gets oversteer and and has to correct, and this is not that. This is simply. The, something happened with that rear of the car and it locked. It's kind of like Kvyat's crash earlier this year. Remember that one? Where Where he was also that? just. Uh, oh boy. Uh, was Sorry, it Austria? Spot. I think it might have been remember. Austria. It was a similar one just, where he just kind of lost the back of the car. And yeah, went. something happened in the rear and he just spun off. Um, yeah, scary. But uh, yeah, Stroll does a number on the barrier. So safety car and then another red flag for them to get yeah. uh, the barrier fixed. Um, and under both of these, again, there's that rule where you can get basically a free pit stop. You can use the red flag as a time to switch on to new tires. Um, I think Russell had pitted before this. Mm. So he, after the race, was not happy about this, that the fact that this flat or this uh, rule is in place because, you know, he pitted, but that meant that everyone that he came in behind didn't have to pit. Yeah. Uh, so he's like, I lost all those places. I was, we're doing good. And it's worth um, mentioning that Russell at this stage is in ninth position. Russell, who has not scored yet this year. In fact, there's a couple of, isn't that right? Didn't Latifi yeah. get the only one? Oh, no, no, no. Grosjean has has one point no Grosjean has one point for Haas I think at this stage I forget one of those doesn't yeah Williams neither uh, Williams has a point and also I I want to say Kimi hasn't gotten a point at this stage and also and Giovinazzi has one is that right maybe I the think, Alphas have one point by I that think stage that's right so there's a sh- there's a shed load Magnuson chances had are the one Haas point had the one okay so Grosjean hasn't even gotten a point so there's right. there's there's a the the Odds are, if you're finishing this race, you're getting a point. There's only three people in this race who are not getting a point at this. Sorry, two now because we just lost. Right, we just lost uh, um, uh, uh, our friend Lance Stroll. So, uh, yeah, like Russell does not need this. He needs to get a point. Like, it also would be a bit weird if the first <laughs> non-Williams family race they suddenly get a point. But right, um, but you're just that's like where almost where the fight is. But you're at this in stage. for him. I'm just totally, yeah. yeah. Uh, so at the restart, the order, and we get another standing start, which is awesome. 
Um, well, they don't want to do another Rolling Star. <laughs> no, no. Saw that one. Uh, at the, the restart, the order is Hamilton, Botas, Ricardo, Albon, Perez, Norris, Kvyat, Leclerc, Russell, Vettel, Raikkonen, Grosjean. Um, how are you on this start, Danny? Yeah, I mean, another uh, not wonderful one for uh, Botas, at least initially, who um, doesn't get a great start. And it's Ricardo, right? Gets past him yep. um, into the the into the first couple of turns. And then he's just kind of getting gobbled up. There's a great overtake by Alexander Albon and Sergio Perez, who's really sort of stomping his authority on this race at this stage. He's, you know, <laughs> Albon, I feel like, has had a lot of really challenging overtakes to be done to try and uh, 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 secure positions. I think he's, he's you know, apart from that time Hamilton knocked him off, I think he's done incredibly well. Um, and yeah, uh, Ricardo was was in second up until I think it was the next lap where Botas used the toe to to get past him and re-secure yeah. second, second place. Second position, yeah. sorry. That's right. Uh, last time Ricardo was on the podium was when he won Monaco in 2018. Uh, and I think, as we've mentioned before, and the commentators mentioned a whole lot during the race, if Ricardo uh, gets on the podium this year, Cyril Abitable, team principal <laughs> of Renault, will get a tattoo, which I didn't know it was. Uh, it's a tattoo of Ricardo's choosing. Yeah, that's 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 a bad. <laughs> really bet. makes it. What's the what's the what's the other side of this bet, Cyril? Right. Yeah. Do you get well. I guess he doesn't want to. He might get in trouble if he's plotting against his team winning races. <laughs> That's true, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Albon somehow finds some pace, however. Uh, everybody yeah. restarted with used soft tires, by the way. Um, and with the aid of DRS, sends it around the outside once again, uh, like he did on uh, on Perez for uh, yeah. around turn one for a lovely overtake of Ricardo on lap 51. Perez uh, was on turn five, I think. But, oh, was but, it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, it was a little bit tighter. But yeah, it was amazing right right around the outside of that turn. It was glorious. I think his engineer even said, like, we got to call you Mr. Outside <laughs> from now on. He does like the... He, you're right, actually. He always does. He does. He's always yeah. finding grip somewhere like that, which is not unlike Verstappen, actually, finding grip sort of on the on the periphery. Yeah, wherever you can get it. Um, yeah. At the same time, Vettel gets by Grosjean for 10th place. Uh and with Leclerc in ninth, both Ferraris are now in the points. Um, eventually, Russell gets by Grosjean too, and, and that is yeah. What and well and and the other the two things that are happening here is that Albon's never gotten a podium because the two times he had it almost Brazil and then where was it? Was it Austria? No, f- I always forget where that. The, wherever, uh, the, I can't remember where the MotoGP terrible crash happened. Oh, the A1 yeah, Austria. Uh, yeah, 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 it was Austria. Yeah, both times Hamilton knocked him out uh, of contention. So he's never had a podium. And the other thing that's happening here is that Raikkonen got a five-second grip penalty for crossing the pit lane line. Oh, that's um, right. Yes. At the wrong time. So he's basically like his his only points of the season. He, he could throw away if he can't create a gap between him and Vettel, who's in 10th. And George Russell is and wanting Russell, to get in yeah. there because he's, yeah, he's, he's in 11th and he wants the first points for Williams. Um, but alas... <laughs> Alas, yes, that is how it ended. Hamilton uh, in first, now one win away from tying Michael Schumacher's record. Mm. Uh, uh, Botas finishes second uh, after that strong start. Um, Albon gets a long overdue first podium. Uh, Ricardo equals his highest finish in a Renault at fourth. 
Uh, Perez hangs on for fifth. Norris gets a solid sixth. Kvyat finishes seventh. Raikkonen uh, somehow avoids too much damage uh, in this race and gets eighth place ahead of both Ferraris <laughs> once again. Points for Kimi. Um, and uh, hey, Ferrari got two cars in the points. Leclerc in ninth and Fettel tenth. Russell barely misses out on points again. Uh, and Grosjean's probably just happy to finish the race considering uh, the day that he has had. Uh, in fact, the the hyphen race.com has a, an article about the odyssey of Roman Grosjean over the course of this race called The Unseen Brilliance and Absurdity of a Heroic Last Place, uh, which I can link <laughs> in the show notes if you want to read that. That's wonderful. I will absolutely check that out. Um... <laughs> But yeah, that was the chaotic, the 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 weird, wild, and crazy uh, Tuscan Grand Prix. Uh, Raikkonen did drop uh, to ninth place because yeah. of that penalty, so Leclerc inherited eighth. Um, but yeah, if, uh, just want to go over the driver standings here. Lewis Hamilton um, still on top with 190 points. Valtteri Bottas behind him with 135. Verstappen's got 110. Then we got a close battle here. Lando Norris in fourth with 65. Alex Albon in fifth with 63. Wow. Lance Stroll's in sixth with uh, 57, followed by Daniel Ricciardo with 53. And we've got Leclerc in eighth with 49. Perez has 44. Gasly with 43. Sainz with 41. Uh, then down to Esteban Ocon in 12th with 30. Vettel has 17 points in 13th mm. place. Daniel Kvyat. Uh, in 14th with 10. Then Nico Hulkenberg holding strong. 15th place. Wasn't that the bet? <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that the question? <laughs> He's currently in 15th with six points. Uh, then we have a tie for 16th with Kimi Raikkonen and his teammate Antonio Giovinazzi. Kevin Magnussen with uh, one point is in 18th place. What and does then KB and Gio him, have? Two. two. Sorry. Okay. Um, Magnussen's got one. And then Nicholas Latifi, George Russell, and Romain Grosjean all have zero points. Let's take a look at the team standings. Mercedes in first with 325. Red Bull has 173. McLaren has 106. Racing Point with 92. Uh, Renault has 83. Ferrari with 66. Alpha Tauri, pretty close behind with 53. Alfa Romeo has four. Gene Haas and team have one. And Williams still with the goose egg. Hmm. Uh, um, speaking of uh, leaderboards here, uh, we have an all-Canadian podium for the official Shift F1 Fantasy League uh, in third place. Planes Weekly uh, in second place. My heart will grow, Jean. Oh, it's so good. It's, it's so good. good. It's so good because Celine Dion's French, too. It's just, yep. It just works. Although Grosjean's not technically French, but whatever. Uh, isn't she oh, French? Oh, yeah, she's Canadian. Canadian. Is she Canadian? Is she Canadian? Yeah. Is she French Canadian? Uh, I think she... I think she competed in Eurovision oh, under the Swiss flag. Oh, really? Okay. God. Just like no Grosjean. So they, they do just, have a. Francophones are just a lawless people. They just pick and choose their countries <laughs> as ever they wish. <laughs> uh, and in first place right now, we have Smooth Operation with four O's and two musical note emojis. If you'd like to join the Shift of One Fantasy Smooth. League, you can do so with the uh, link and code in the show notes. Woo! Oh, hey, can I give you my very vague update on Formula 2 and Formula 3? Oh, please. Uh, Formula 3 was the uh, final rounds. 
So that championship is over. I will not say who won, but you should go check out the highlights on the YouTube channel. Um, at the very least, the full races and these way better extended highlight packages are on F1 TV. They're like 11 minutes long and they kind of cover off everything. Um, I watched all of race two and I think the highlights of race one. Um, and then the F2 stuff is is getting really into it as well. I think we started this race weekend with five possible winners and there has been a significant shakeup at the top um, over the course of this weekend um, with some drivers not finishing the race and other drivers who were miles behind scoring top points. So uh, if you are interested at all, and a lot of there's been a lot of scuttlebutt in the past week or so about you know getting these cars closer together and and you know reverse grid all this sort of, like just go watch f2 like just it's yeah. happening right now a lot of these drivers you'll know names of or you will in the future so go check them out uh you, you need mick schumacher and guan yu joe and all of these dudes in your lives um it's uh it's it's good stuff yeah it was super cool for me having watched some formula two knowing who charlie claire was when he came in and like right. already kind of being a fan so yeah um yeah there's a bunch and of will, those like callum eyelash they're saying might be one of the yeah. ones who pops up next year like there's yeah you will know these people although it's funny because we've so many rookies if so many young people in f1 at the moment that it's kind of hard to see where the gaps are going to come for this this latest batch but yeah uh, I saw an article saying that Gunther Steiner was considering close to 10 drivers. You can only have two, Gunther. I don't know seats. if he, somebody needs to tell Gunther the rules. <laughs> I'm sure they probably get more points if you field the 10 cars. <laughs> a lot of, uh, like that, yeah, a lot of wankers. The, <laughs> uh, you mean, uh, now we are a fucking bunch of wankers. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, but the, the commentators usually do a good job, um, of not spoiling the formula two and three races. Um, in their, yeah. in their coverage and we're gonna we we try also uh to not uh to not do that either. we suspect that if you have you're listening to this podcast you have listened to the F, you have watched the f1 race that just happened but yeah well, we're yeah. not going to assume that you watched everything else i think similarly if we talk about indie and stuff like that we try not to you know right spoil stuff maybe because it's you know let let's be honest this is a weird type of sports to be into and it's kind of hard to find the time sometimes to watch like multiple yeah. two-hour races so you know i get it um let's take it to the news let's shall we it. we mentioned yeah. aston martin already uh that is the what what racing point will be called in 2021 they have decided their drivers and sergio perez is not one of them instead mm. Sebastian Vettel will be driving for Aston Martin come 2021. Yeah. Uh, all those rumors we heard like a month or two ago are indeed true. Um, although, uh, <laughs> this story from race fans, apparently Lawrence Stroll has such a loud voice that Sergio Perez heard that he was leaving the team like through the wall. So, oh, wow. Before they even told him. That's, that's not great. No. No. Yeah, it's a shame. Um, it's a shame. I guess I hadn't... We've talked... So we've been talking about this for... This has been like the worst kept secret in F1, right? Like in the paddock. And we've been talking about what's Vettel going to do yeah. next and why. Formula1.com was reporting on a rumor. Like, <laughs> right. that doesn't happen very often. 
So, but I guess I, I didn't really take into account all of the work that Perez had done to keep the team around and all the sort of fallout from the Vigia Malia stuff and yeah. um, and all that. So it is sad to see him go. It's also like I don't think anyone who's been following this sport for any length of time is under any you know illusions over the cutthroat nature of a sport with this amount of money in it. So I'm you know and also like Perez for many years was was. You know, a part of the fact that he was getting these seats was because of the money that was behind him as well. Um, but then you could also argue that, of course, coming from an underrepresented country like Mexico, that perhaps you needed um, uh, uh, money behind you if one of these teams was going to put somebody um, with the name Sergio Perez in their car. So does it? It's it's a complex thing. Um, uh, I have enjoyed him over the past, uh, you know, lo- lengthy career. How long has he been in F one? Like ten years at least. Um, he seems to have always been part of the the paddock in one way or in another. Um, and I hope it's not the last we see of him. He's a solid driver and he brings money. So I think he'd be a good fit for a couple of teams. I, I, I think Haas might be one, especially if they pick up a rookie. I think having somebody like Perez with the experience he has, um, you know, exiting the pit lane poorly over the weekend, notwithstanding, I think would be really good. Um He's also like just a good head to have when it comes to figuring out the car, like doing practice and stuff like that. He's always been a very um, useful driver. He doesn't just turn up and race like some folks do. Um, so, yeah. But again, how do you turn down Sebastian Vettel, especially if you're trying to take, take it seriously and, and, you know, and also keep the other seat for your son? Right. Yeah. What did you make of the Vettel stuff? Because, like, we've been talking for weeks about the whole will he, won't he stay in F1 thing. He has been intimating for months about how his sort of time at home during COVID, as sort of every athlete these days has been thinking a lot more about family and stuff, um, about whether he wants to be in F1 anymore. Uh, and I guess he ultimately came down on the, the side if he does. Yeah, I which um, there's a, an article on racefans.net that says uh, they asked Vettel uh, how close he came to retiring from Formula One, and Vettel said close. Uh, I don't know, I don't know if there's a measure of how close you can get, but it was close in terms of having a lot of thoughts and deciding ultimately I have to put myself first in that regard. What's best for me, and I have, and what I have decided now, I believe that's best for me, and I'm looking forward to prove that. I I never really thought that he would retire um Mm. i think he's too much of a or retire by his own volition uh i I think he's too much of a formula one nerd i think he like there are always go to like the uh the f1 subreddit for this but there's always like you know he's always the one like checking out other cars he uh i think he was at the parabolica do you remember last week he was he was uh he was up at the turn up, right yeah that's what i was about to say like it, he yeah. went out in q1 and then like <laughs> got out of his car and then went out to watch qualifying like he he is probably one of the biggest formula one fans out there mm. um so i i don't know i'm i'm happy that he's that he's sticking around you know sucks for paris but um yeah i'm 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 glad and like you know he gets to sort of um his Ferrari thing didn't work out, but he gets to like write his own tale here, I guess, you know, with a brand new team. Uh, well, brand new name, I guess. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy for him. His third chapter is kind of, you know, coming up, I think. And yeah, I'm, I'm happy he's sticking around as well. I've always, um, 
not always. I, I've certainly, I think I've warmed to him as Ferrari has humbled him a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're, yeah, I think you're right. Um, People not exactly warming to Lewis Hamilton, Danny. No, I mean, have people ever warmed to Lewis Hamilton? I feel like he has always been, um, uh, uh, t- he's always been, uh, I I don't want to say well targeted is actually probably fair but he has always definitely gotten more shit for anything he's done than a lot of drivers um, probably connected in some way or another to the fact that he is the only uh, black racer on the grid and has always sort of been I guess the word I learned as we did our Patreon stuff this year uppity um, used over here he's he's always had people you know with his sort of confidence and brashness and willingness in recent years to speak out about environmental justice or um, social justice in, in more recent times um, has always has always tended to rob a certain amount of, you know, the, the F1 viewership the wrong way, which unfortunately is sort of part and parcel of a lot of sport. Um, people want to keep the, the, the difficulties of politics out of their entertainment time. And, you know, obviously that's not really something a lot of people are willing to do, especially someone in Lewis's um, position. So I guess the, the, what happened was he was wearing a shirt um, uh, which was uh, uh, which I immediately saw and was like, oh, that's, you know, it's incredible he's doing that. It's uh, w- Which had, um, uh, actually, I want to make sure I get the actual f- text of it right because I know it's been the phrase that everyone has been, um, has been repeated over and over again. And it's not, it was not only on the podium, but it was uh, before the race uh, as well. Oh, I didn't notice. Oh, when they did the stand together stuff, mm-hmm. which they yeah. don't tell it cast as much as they used to um, yeah arrest the cops who killed Brianna Taylor and say her name were written on his uh, shirt um, obviously we've had the end racism shirts and he has already been sticking out just wearing a straight up Black Lives Matter shirt over the past um, since I guess this series uh, season started uh, but I guess I'm, I'm not really sure about this news story where reporting on it now seems uh, funny it's we need to cover it obviously but it, it sort of looked like it was maybe a bigger thing and then it, it sort of died down it looked at one stage like the FAA were going to conduct a uh, review into the fact that he had warned this I guess they knew about the Black Lives Matter stuff ahead of time but didn't necessarily know that he was going to wear this um, and there was uh, a little bit of kerfuffle about whether or not um, there was going to be an investigation into it. The FA have since come out and said that there is not an investigation into this. Um, but we have a bit of reporting here from Andrew Benson over at the Beeb, uh, the BBC, the big British castle, saying F1's governing body has been considering whether Hamilton broke its rules in wearing a T-shirt highlighting police brutality at Sunday's race. An FA spokesman told BBC Sport an investigation had been ruled out. Hamilton said, uh, "What you." Uh, sorry, uh, said, want you to know I won't stop using this platform to shed light on what I uh, believe is right. The Mercedes drawing, uh, writing on Instagram uh, thanked those who continue to support me and show love. I am grateful. Um, he added, this is a journey for all of us to come together and cha- challenge the world on every level of injustice, not only racial. Um, in keeping with that, I guess, earlier in the week, before the weekend had kicked off, um Lewis Hamilton was not done uh, trying to fight the good fight. He, uh, it had been announced, I guess, that he is putting his name behind. He's not racing in, but he is uh, basically founding a team in the upcoming Extreme E, uh, uh, I guess, series. race series that's coming up. The team name is going to be X44, which is his number he's driven on since he was a kid. Uh, Extreme E is a new series created by Formula E founder uh, as a... Uh, is it Alejandro? No, it's 
Alej is yeah. it Alejandro Gargares? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, which has these uh, 550 brake horsepower SUVs driving in uh, remote locations. It's meant to sort of do the opposite side of the coin to what Formula E was doing, which was highlighting uh, renewables and, and, and green energy in cities. And this is basically taking cars out into some of the world's most um, uh, ecologically um, harmed places uh, as a way to show the power of um, electric cars uh, and also to have some rad SUV all-terrain 4x4 racing. Um, so yeah, another busy week in the world of Lewis Hamilton um, fighting racial and environmental justice. Um, he seems to be doing a lot of this and it seems like everyone else is just writing cookbooks. <laughs> uh, I, I I was especially heartened to see um, his team sticking up for him uh, on this this one yes. especially. Yes, uh, Toto. You know, as people, well. yeah, and like just on Twitter, uh, you know, pictures of him with uh, the shirt up there on the podium, and then people you know responding saying like, "Keep politics out of my sport." And I think the Mercedes Twitter account is basically just like to multiple people, "This isn't politics. This is basic human rights." Like from yeah. the official Mercedes F1 account, uh, that that right. that's a that's a big, um, you know, that's a that's a strong statement. And you know, uh, there are shots of their entire team taking the taking a knee. Um, so yeah, totally. Yeah, I don't I, know uh, that the people who see that stuff and think it. think oh, it's just like corporate virtue signaling or whatever. It's like it's look, you know, it's in the world we live in today. It's becoming increasingly. Like you have to have an increasingly myopic sense of the world to try and divorce what's going on in terms of, you know, economic injustice or racial injustice or environmental justice with, you know, the other things that are going on in your life. I don't know about you. I can't, you know, I can't do a lot of things because of the pandemic. I can't, you know, go outside because of the smoke and the fires that are happening right now. I live in a part of the world which is incredible economic disparity. Like, it, like it, you have to put on so many blinders at this stage to like try and just look at the sport. You know, <laughs> if you like put on enough, <laughs> you, eventually you can. If you look really, look just at this tiny little picture in your view hole, you can you can just see the sport there. It's not touching anything else. Obviously, as a black driver in F one you know as a as a black kid growing up in the uk um he didn't have the uh you know the luck to not have to worry about a lot of this stuff so yeah he um, can't put blinders on no exactly it's you know that's that's an act of privilege and it was nice to see people like wolf saying uh no question it's entirely his decision whatever he does um we will support you know in many ways i think with what's been going on in the world it has made it easier for companies to make a stand i don't think corporations are our friends or anything like that but, uh, you know, at least they're not getting in the way. And it's hard to look at Hamilton and see what he's doing and see that it's selfless, right? Guy's a millionaire. He doesn't give a shit. It'd be easier for him to keep his mouth shut if he wanted to, probably, right? But he's not. Yeah. And, uh, you know, fair play. I'm looking forward to Extreme E. That looks all right. Yeah. Um, I guess it's sort of a uh, <laughs> an ironic twist. Uh, CBS News <laughs> reporting this week. That Mercedes-Benz has been fined $1.5 billion 
for cheating on emissions. Uh, <laughs> right from the AP here. Hey, man, corporations are our friends, Drew. Yeah. Uh, subsidiary Mercedes-Benz USA have agreed to pay $1.5 billion to the U.S. government and California state regulators to resolve allegations they cheated on emissions tests. Officials said on Monday, the U.S. Department of Justice... Environmental Protection Agency and the California Attorney General's Office said Daimler violated environmental environmental laws by using so-called, quote, defeat device software to uh, circumvent emissions testing. By doing so, the companies sold roughly 250,000 cars and vans between 209 and 2016 with diesel engines that didn't meet state and federal standards. Uh, The settlement, which requires civil penalties... I'm sorry, which includes civil penalties and still awaits court approval in Washington, will require Daimler to fix the already sold vehicles. Yeah, it's wild. I think the Volkswagen thing, I think individual people are able to sue VW now over their emission scandal. It's wild how much, like, how prevalent this stuff was. It just shows you how much of a walled garden a lot of these industries are, you know. It's mm-hmm. so much money, though. My goodness. Uh, could, speaking of screw-ups. a lot of formula, what is it called again? Extreme E teams for that money. Yeah. Uh, I screwed up the explanation of the reverse grid thing, by the way, last week. Uh, oh, I right. think I conflated how the way Formula 2 works with something else. But um, So we were talking about this last week. Ross Braun um, saying that maybe we should try switching up qualifying or just to get some kind of... Uh, of that action that we saw in the past few races of teams mm. or, or, you know, drivers racing their way through the grid um, to liven things up. This would basically mean um, instead of qualifying, you would have a sprint race to determine the grid. Right. So you would start the sprint race in reverse championship order. Hmm. Right, and then, so Hamilton at the back, like yep. straight up. Wow, that'd be wild. Yeah, Grosjean at the front. Then have Jesus. a short race, and then however you finish that race, that's how you start the main race. Right. That's wild. Because the way so F2 there's no does flipping, it, F- there's no reversing of grids or anything. They, right. It's a reverse championship order sprint race. That's wild. That then sets the grid for... Yeah, just do it this year. Just race. do it like nobody cares. Just do yeah. it this year. No one... Get, Get Williams some points. Like, no one cares about Mercedes <laughs> yeah. getting points. Get Ferrari some points at this stage, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, because no the way I... Sorry. seems to like this idea of yeah. who is, like, of the stalwarts. Like, uh, Vettel, of course, does not like this idea. because Russell it's not, doesn't uh... like it. Did you hear what he said? <laughs> no. Russell doesn't want it either. I couldn't believe it. No, I was like, why doesn't he want it? And he, was, I, he made a great point. Of course he did. He was like, I don't want to be overtaken by everyone in the whole race. Like, like <laughs> as bad as it is being at the back, I also don't want to be just like a lamb to the slaughter. <laughs> Get gobbled up by everyone. Uh, Toto called point. it uh, like professional wrestling. He doesn't want to, <laughs> to turn into that, which... I mean, yeah, kind uh, of lads, lads, we have boost buttons. We have drag reduction systems. We have runoff areas like feck off there's loads of there's loads of artificial things happening in the sport to make to try and bunch you together or if we or get uh dan record back on the podcast yeah absolutely we had so the the way f2 does it if i'm not wrong um is that the feature race is done on the saturday they do reverse grid for the top 10 
So if you land eight. 10th, is it eight? So I thought it was eight, but on did this weekend, this I don't know, because I always did thought it was eight, and, and I was confused because I thought that there was an incident this week where somebody really needed to get to 10th so they could get in and get oh. pole, and they didn't, and they started 11th, and it was part of the whole championship deciding thing. Um, so unless... I. Mm, no, I don't think I'm getting confused with Formula Three. I don't know. Someone I know you ne- get points for top ten. Yeah. No. You know what I've done? You know what I've done? We've we've just done a news piece on a correction, and I've just created another one. <laughs> yes. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um. Speaking of weird stuff, uh, you you also linked me the uh, the YouTube video <laughs> of Ferrari's 1,000th GP celebration. Jesus oh my goodness Christ. you is... have to watch this everybody i don't it's it's just like there's so many images from 2020 that are just so so graph that they just sum everything up i don't know i don't know what this feels like i don't think it, it i don't think it sums up anything i don't think it's a beautiful poem that captures a moment in time it's just really weird and it's just the type of like money wasting i just saw a bunch of people dressed up in pit pit crew uniforms dancing around with masks on dancing around an f1 car what you know socially distanced kind of and also uh-huh. like and also there was like no audience because of course there isn't and there and we're just going there to is like, like an orchestra and a dj and people repelling <laughs> from like florence landmarks yeah. yeah beautiful like ancient you know de medici palaces uh, which Speaking which of have, eurovision they have like yeah oh yeah this is this is hella Eurovision energy but this is Eurovision like when I used to watch as a kid where it took itself seriously still it's like oh yeah that type of camp like bad I saw somebody say it was like an Olympics opening ceremony made for thirty dollars yeah that's yeah well yeah like not not a million dollars not thirty dollars but like like five grand like enough (laughs) enough money to get you into trouble enough money to make it look like and most of it was spent on like red carpets (laughs) It's so silly. Also, I, I somebody emailed in about this, and I tried to find the answer. I couldn't do it. The, the uh, an, uh, analysis guy on the Sky F1 YouTube channel. He's super good. He's been doing these tech analysis. Sam videos. Collins. Yeah, it must be. Is it? He's absolutely brilliant. Um, he made reference to the fact that it was actually Ferrari's 997th Grand Prix. And I oh, looked boy. everywhere to figure out what it was, but there must be <sighs> somebody's gone back. Of course, like somebody who's like it's got a stats brain has gone back. And uh, race fans out. did this. Oh, they did. They counted up like here's here are all the races I can link this to uh, that Ferrari did not race in. Oh, so is that what they did? They 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 went back to the ones where they didn't. Like I wonder. Yeah, so if, maybe there's like some fudge factor in there. I'll link it. Yeah, can, I, which makes <laughs> sense because it would have just been too ridiculous that Magello ended up being the one. You know, it's almost just too handy. It's been a bit silly, yeah. though, with the 70th anniversary one and this one, and it's like, yeah, okay. Maybe it was, like, Ferrari engines? I don't know. Yeah, uh, both, yeah that's weird. I yeah. uh, I skimmed through the entire half-hour video, and it was all just... It was all musical dance. Yeah. It was, yeah. There was no presentation. There was just, like, here's here's a music video for it's Ferrari, the type of, like, I guess. It's the type of thing that, like where James Bond is trying to kill someone at. You know what I mean? Yes. It's it's yeah. a, it's, it's like Agent a hitman level. Agent 47's running around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're like, whoever goes to, who goes to these things? I mean, nobody goes to them now because they can't unless they're in an orchestra or a dancer. 
wearing uh, wearing wearing fire overalls. That must be really hard to dance in. Maybe it's Gaben. Maybe Gaben, Gaben goes to these. Yeah, Gabe Newell. He's got a racing team. With the what? Uh, according to, yeah, uh, at what? easy to type on Twitter. Uh, let me know this this week. Gabe Newell has a racing team. Uh, heartofracingteam.com that races in IMSA and uh, New Zealand Endurance for uh, as a fundraiser for hospitals. Wow. There yeah. you go. Uh, Gabe looking good. He's lost some weight. Dave, Davis, California's own uh, Gabe Newell. Yeah. Good job. Uh, looks, should we take this like a wizard. Love that man. Yeah, let's do it. Emails, <laughs> shiftf1podcast at gmail.com or f1.co slash emails. First one comes in from Morgan Davies. Hi, guys. Love the podcast. It has been hugely helpful for me as a new fan of the sport. I had a question about driver's championship standings for those with no points. At the end of the race at Mugello this weekend, the commentators mentioned that Russell finishing ahead of Grosjean may put him ahead of Grosjean in the standings. So how did they decide the championship order for drivers who have zero points? And a follow-up question, what do drivers get when they finish the champ sorry what what do they get for where they finish in the championship uh, so two questions here so the first one is how do they decide the championship order for those who have no points uh, that is called a countback they do it the same if we're talking about first and second position or if we're talking about last position so say there is a tie at the top of the 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 championship both drivers have 250 points they will do a countback to see how many uh, first place finishes either of those drivers had whoever had the most will win or be on top of the other one and um, if they had the same in those they will go back to the second place positions and they do this for the people at the top of the grid at the championship and at the bottom of it so for russell and grosjean they will do a count back obviously neither of them will have you know top seven finishes but if one of them has a top eight finish and the other one doesn't that will be the results that puts them over. So basically your highest position. And if no, if someone else has that, then the number of uh, positions you have in the, the one underneath that. So that's called a countback and that's for everyone in it. And then when it comes to the championship, so the teams obviously get money for their position in the constructors. That is not a set number. It is based off of the amount of sort of revenue that is brought in by F1 and then is split based on these long running uh, uh, deals that have sort of been shifted around a lot in the past couple of months we've been reporting on them when it comes to the drivers themselves they don't get cash prizes for the races they get the trophy there's usually a fake version of the trophy which they get to keep in their house and then there is the version that they engrave their name on that they get to keep for a year and then have to give back um, but when it comes to the actual races themselves they don't get prize money from F1 however they will most likely have bonuses built into their contracts which whatever team they're with that say that if they land at a certain position at the end of the season or if they get a certain amount of wins they get bonuses on them but all that stuff is obviously uh, private um, but yeah that's that's uh how that stuff kind of works it's uh fairly fairly standard fair cool um uh, drew you want to get this one from matt yes i can take that uh matt says <clears throat> i figured you guys should know that camping world is coming back <gasps> as the title sponsor for the nascar truck series for 20 21 i cannot wait to hear you guys scream it again next season drew can we get a demo uh, 
Well, we might, Danny, in uh, when we get to the calendar, because <laughs> okay. I don't think I'll be able to control myself and hold back. <laughs> it's going to be very confusing for people who've only started listening this year to our podcast. Um, but yeah, we're very happy. 2021, man, that's this is the first inclination I've seen that just everything's going to go back to normal. 2020 was just a bum year. We're just, everything's fine. We're going back to Camping World's Rock. That's just the first yeah, sign. So, we're, it's a carry, so carry in a coal mine. <laughs> I retweeted this uh, from the uh, the Shift F1 Twitter account, and a lot of people were saying, like, oh, it's too bad Gander's going away. So I think people are assuming oh. that, like, Gander is the, the canonical. But, wow. like, I, there was so summer it, children. <laughs> I know. It was so it used to be Camping World Truck before yes. it was Gander Mountain Truck. And before that, I think it was Craftsman. Uh, but, like, Craftsman to me sounds like a an all right NASCAR sponsor. That that makes sense to me. I think Craftsman. why Camping World Truck is so fun is because it's so weird. And then Gander <laughs> Mountain, I think, was even weirder, perhaps. Uh, but in in my heart, it's Camping World. Yeah, it flows good too. Like that's where the camping. Well, so I don't want to say it, but we'll. We'll get to that later. It's um, actually too. No, it's actually not. It's too many syllables because it's that's from. Uh, oh, what is that from? Sega Rally, Rolling oh, Start, or oh, of is it course. from Daytona? Is that what you're doing? The date? No, that's the Daytona Rolling Start. Yeah. Is Rolling Start? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See, I forget the inception of the whole thing. It's all. It's all. I don't know why I tied those two together in my head, but uh, we never have reasons for anything we do on this podcast. No, I don't know why. Ask I go me why young. I called it the H button. Yeah, what, why? Don't, yeah, don't know that. What's the H button? <laughs> I was playing Metal Gear Solid with Dan Reichert, and I kept calling the square button on the PlayStation controller the <laughs> really? H button. And I, I have don't... no idea. Multiple times. That's wild. Yeah. Our brains are confusing things. Um, yeah. A final email here from uh, Megan uh, says Big fan of your podcast, but I found your latest comments about Claire Williams' decision to resign from Williams to be a disappointment. The assumption that Williams' decision to bow out due to the difficulty of being away from her kids after spending time with them due to COVID 19, uh, though never mentioned as part of the important factor in her decision, except for her genetic memory of family in her statement, uh, as being both frustrating and perpetuating an unspoken gender issue with women in F1. Uh, specifically, that women are, uh, sorry, and F1 life are not compatible because of their family obligations. There are many great F1 fathers, including Sebastian Vettel, who highlight the importance of family in their decision-making, but rarely have I heard your commentators go into the same types of discussions about children being a deciding factor to their careers as when uh, the team spoke about Williams. Uh, while family is a big part, vital even to her and to Williams' racing legacy, I found the comments uh, as having highlighted and perpetuated an unfortunate stereotype about women in F1. Uh, the unfortunate reality is that Williams is one of the few women in F1, and a more nuanced uh, discussion would have been nice to hear instead. Uh, it was misogynistic, sorry. Um, and that was from Megan. Uh, yeah, uh, apologies. I, I certainly did not mean to perpetuate that stereotype Type, though on, uh, on on looking back, I can certainly see that. Um, we were talking about Claire, and, and to be honest, you can't really. Claire Williams has been the target of this type of very gendered reporting for you know the entirety of her career. I remember years ago there was some really nasty stuff around whether or not Williams was underperforming because she had just had a child. I think her her boy is maybe two or three years old. I think. Um, uh, yeah, and I certainly last week was basically talking about, 
you know, with everyone being back from COVID and people being at home with their families again, that it's sort of reframing stuff. I think I talked about that in relation to Sebastian Vettel uh, a couple of weeks prior when we were talking about the alpha stuff. And even now, it sounds like that was probably the biggest um, factor. Um, but I, I, I didn't. It is true that like I, I didn't, I didn't talk about kids when I was talking about Sebastian. So I talked about it in a sort of a broader familial sense. But I did specifically say children when it came to Claire. So clearly, um, even trying to do my best, I, I slipped into the same sort of um, mindset as, as, as so many uh, uh, male uh, viewers of the sport. So my apologies. I thought what I would do is uh, to actually talk about the fathers on the grid because it is something that we never really talk about um uh we sort of assume a lot of them aren't dads um so i did a bit of research and sure enough a lot of young guys on the podium and they're not they're not parents but i did find we have four dads on uh is that the, all on the grid I four, thought there yeah was more. well i think massa would have been he was he was uh, to be honest most of the drivers are fairly secretive about their um family lives yeah. in a way that I, again i think yeah he does yeah he doesn't a lot of, you know um leclerc i guess magnuson doesn't botas botas because the stuff does get dragged up right obviously botas is divorced last year ended up being um a talking point but certainly claire williams when you look at the way and maybe it's different for a team principal as well i'm not really sure um but she has been like her you know being a mother and being an executive being a person with responsibilities and all this sort of stuff is, has for sure uh, been been mentioned a lot more than any of the drivers um uh so uh, yeah i thought I'd, I'd jump into sona so obviously kimi raikkonen's one of them he's got two kids mm-hmm. uh, pretty young kids i think they're like three and four um i believe it's a boy and a girl uh vettel has three daughters um first was born in 2014 so six-year-old i guess then um I think there's a five-year-old girl there as well. And then, of course, last year he had a kid right around the end of the season. I think she was born when he was at Abu Dhabi or something. Um, so he has three daughters. So when we were talking about him, you know, being at home and that giving him, you know, a, a pause to maybe reconsider his uh, his um, his career, uh, obviously, that's, you know, it's him and four girls in the house. That's, that's a lot of family. I have only, there's only two of us here, myself, my wife, and my, my daughter. So I can't imagine what it's like having all of them. Uh, Grosjean, similar. He's got three kids. Um, he's got, I think it's two girls wow, and a boy. I didn't know. I knew he had kids. I didn't know he had three. That's yeah, funny. I didn't realize he had three either. It's wild. And they still managed to write a, co-write a cookbook together. <laughs> so right. they're doing all right. I'm sure, you know, these people are also incredibly rich. So I'm sure, you know, some of these people are able to have good childcare. Yeah, I saw how the Christian Horner. And, totally, um, yeah. Yeah, their their household. Works. Yeah, they had they had stay at home nannies in that in that shot, right? They'd say, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the last one who I actually did forget about was Sergio Perez has a son whose name yes. is Sergio Perez. So Sergio Perez Junior, presumably. Um. So and I think that's it. I think that's all of them. I think obviously we we uh, Schumacher years ago. Um. I don't know about Alonso. You know, generationally, mm. but but you know, it, but there is you know, Botas doesn't I believe Hamilton. Uh, I hasn't been married right so a lot of them I think Vettel actually only got married maybe a couple of years ago they were dating for like 10 years though him and his wife um, yeah so there you go I went to a lot of weird websites to find that information out because it's all <laughs> just like these gossip <laughs> websites I never really go to yeah um, but yes I, I would uh, I, I will I will take that on the chin that I, I did sort of slip into the um, uh, I, I I didn't talk about it in, in the, with the sort of nuanced um, responsibility that I should have given 
the 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 reporting around Claire and the family. Um, so yeah, yeah I think it's it's also easy. Um, thank thank you, Megan, for pointing this out. It's, of course, it's a <laughs> it's not a surprise to me that it's a it's a blind spot. Um, but uh, yeah, I I think also the Williams family, uh, inclusive of like Frank and as a family team and like thinking of the documentary also sort of looms larger as like this singular presence. Um, right. So I think we can kind of get sucked into like, uh, thinking of the family in that respect and like, uh, and the history that they have of putting aside things like feelings for the race. So right. <laughs> her saying like, I want to go back to my family is I interpreted that less as like, I need to go, um, you know, raise my kids. It's more like I need to like figure out what being a uh, a person is like. You know, instead of someone that's just you know uh, eat, sleep, breathe racing all day. So yeah, I, yeah, I totally understand. Totally, and I, I was thank th- you. That's that's what I was trying to uh, feed into as well, and the sort of transition of of her being you know the caregiver for her father's legacy for so long, yeah. and then uh, transitioning from that into maybe perhaps being more of a of a parent in the day to day but those two things are not mutually exclusive right i can i can i i can in good faith be talking about that but still end up you know it being messy when it comes to misogynistic tropes and I, i've certainly covered both of those bases so uh yeah but it was it was it was uh it was nice to take a moment to look at all the um all the other parents on the on the grid it's crazy it's it's you know i have a my my daughter's very young she's only 2 and it's it's funny how all the COVID stuff has, you know, made it so that even the idea of going to a remote office that I used to do three days a week for a couple of hours just does seem so much more difficult. You can't imagine what it's like for some of these uh, people on the F1 teams, not just the drivers, but the the crew and the marketing folks and everyone to be away for so much of the year, like, and really far, yeah. you know, like super far away a lot of the time. Um, it's wild. There's a lot uh, of people... There's a lot of people out racing around the world, Danny. Oh, are they racing? Are they racing around, racing around the world? <laughs> I couldn't make the transition up, and I'm sorry. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, I'll do better uh, next well, week. Well, let me help you, because the first event of this weekend is Camping World Trucks Ooh. at the Bristol Motor Speedway for the Uto, U, Uno, U, Uno. You know, U N O H. It's an acronym. Oh, uh, it's or a, the card what do you game. call that? Anatolicism. Yeah, sure. Uh, Acronyms. If the, you say the word, anatolicism. If you say the letters. Well, I could say Uno. I don't know if that's if you that's pronounce the H. Uh, but uh, it's the Uno 200 presented by Ohio Logistics. Uh, also no, joining uh, them there at Bristol Old Motor Speedway is the Xfinity Series for the Food City 300. <laughs> Take me down to the food city. Sounds like a Weird Al song. Uh, We've also got um, the 24 Hours of Le Mans happening this weekend. Kicking off Saturday, September 19th. Uh, Also fielding uh, in LMP2, the first all-female team since 1991 with Beitzka Visser, uh, Tatiana Calderon, and Sophia Flourish. I don't know Sophia Uh, Flourish. She was racing in Formula 3. Three and is the one that had that huge accident in, in Macau. Oh yes, I God, oh, yeah, yeah. She's so young; she's nineteen. German. Uh, that crash was so bad. 
DTM's racing at the Nürburgring. Uh, the World Rally Cross Championship is in Latvia. Supercars are at the Bend Motorsports Park. World Superbike Championship is at Barcelona Catalunya Circuit. Uh, the MotoGP is back at the uh, Misano Circuit. Wait, was that what I'm Bend, Oregon? No, no. no. <laughs> Somewhere in Australia. Oh, okay. Uh, I was like, because that's not going ahead with all these fires. But obviously not. And we got Australia. NASCAR. Oh, my God. Where we're going, Drew? Yep. Food we're City's going taken. to Bristol, Tennessee. We're going to yeah. Food City food for city. the Bass Pro Shops Night Race. Oh my God. It's when the bass sleep, so we're going to catch up. We're going to catch them and stick them in Food up. City. Fried bass, yep. roasted bass, other types. If you'd like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes, you can Lance do bass. so at patreon.com slash F one. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Meow.